What's up, Journey family? How you guys doing? First weekend of 2022. I'm so excited to be here hanging out with you this morning. And like Pastor Mark said, my name is Abby. I'm grateful to be able to kick off a new year. And I'm grateful that we have not just our online JFAM joining us today, but everybody at our Hocassin location. So Newark, will you help me give it up for everybody joining us today? We love you. We're so glad that you are part of our journey family. And I know that I'm so excited for the start of a new year. I am one of those annoying people who loves a fresh start. Like it doesn't matter what year it is. I am always team best year ever. Anybody else ready to be done with 2021 and on to better things? Yeah, in, in 2022, I know. I am too. And I think the beginning of the year is such a great time to naturally just pause and reset and think about what do we really want out of our lives this year. And that's actually why we're going to be kicking off a brand new series next weekend called Future You, which is all about helping you reset and figure out how you can grow most in your relationship with God and your relationship with the other people in your lives. It's going to be a great series. I want to encourage you, make a commitment to be part of that each weekend in January. But this weekend, I thought that we should kind of ease into it, right? Because we're just coming out of what I call the great abyss week between Christmas and New Year's where, let's be honest, you're like eating way too much sugar and you're not really wearing real pants and you've got no idea what day it is. Yeah. Anybody else? I know this week I was like, I think it's Thursday and it was Tuesday. I thought it was Wednesday and it was Friday. It's like, we got no idea what day it is, but then we start to come out of that week and into starting to think about a new year. And so I think some of us may be trying to figure out what we really want out of life this year. Others of us already know, we're like, hey, this is exactly what I want. This is my plan. I'm going to chase after it. But I think that all of us, no matter who we are, no matter what our background is, we all have some things in our lives that we want to see happen this year some things in our lives that we're still waiting for. And when it comes to this waiting thing, I feel like we just came out of this time of December where it's like you wait all December long for Christmas to happen and then Christmas happens and boom, it's over just like that. I've got two little kids, a three-year-old and a five-year-old and they spent all December long waiting uh, impatiently, not patiently, waiting impatiently for Santa to come. And then it was over, had a just like that and my oldest son, uh, Luca, he's he's five years old, and he is shamelessly persistent when it comes to getting what he wants. Okay, he has he has no patience for waiting, but he is shamelessly persistent about getting what he wants. It does not matter if it is a snack, a show he wants to watch, if he wants his brother to play with him, if he does not want his brother to play with him. I mean, he is shamelessly persistent, and he will wear you down. So this year, heading into Christmas, a couple of days before Christmas, he started telling us uh, incessantly just how he wanted James the Train from Thomas the Tank Engine as his Christmas gift. The only problem was uh, all of his gifts had been bought by that point, and I did not think that James the Train was one of them. So heading into Christmas, I mean, he was shamelessly persistent about wanting James the Train, but lest you think that Christmas in the Ecker household was a total bust, I will have you know, he opened all of his gifts on Christmas morning, there was no James the Train, but about 11.30 on Christmas morning, my husband looked at me and he said, I think we bought James 
And I was like, no, we didn't. Like, we wrapped everything that we had. I don't think we did. He got up. He went to the kitchen. He reached on top of the fridge, pulled down an Amazon box, and there was James the train. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Luca must have been shamelessly persistent about wanting James the train weeks ago. I was just forgetful. So at noon on Christmas morning, we were able to give him a last-minute addition. We told him we found from Santa. He opened up. He's like, James. So it was a good Christmas in the Ecker household. His, his shameless persistence did pay off. And I bet that some of us are, find ourselves in that place of being shamelessly persistent about some things that we want heading into 2022. But we know we want our marriages to be different, our relationships to be better, our jobs to be more fulfilling, our purpose to be clearer, our job to be less demanding, our bosses to be less demanding, our health to be better, our class schedule to be lighter. But if we're honest, a lot of those things are things that we wanted in 2021 and 2020 and 2019, and it can feel like we're still waiting for some of those things to happen. Some of us got what we wanted only to realize those things weren't everything that we thought that they would be. We still have things in our lives that we want, that we're waiting for. And so I think some of us enter this year with this question of what do I do with the things that I want that I'm still waiting for? How do I respond when it feels like maybe those things are never going to happen? Do we believe that our James train is going to show up at the last moment or do we give up altogether? And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who have things in our lives that we've been praying and asking God for and it feels like they're still not there, what do we do with that tension? How do we deal with some of that doubt or disappointment. And so today we're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 11, which is one of the biographies of Jesus's life where Jesus talks about the power of being shamelessly persistent, but not in all of the ways that we think. And if you're new to this whole God thing or church thing, that's all right. You can take a pass on some of this. But for all of us who believe in Jesus, we have to realize that our need to be shamelessly persistent is not just about going after what we want, but instead learning to pursue more of God. The key to getting everything that we want this year is first to acknowledge a God who gave it all to us in the first place. And so that's why we're going to pick up our story here today in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Says this, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And and John was simply a follower of Jesus who came before Jesus, and his disciples were the people who learned from him. They were his his students. So I want you to think about if there's somebody in your life or somebody that, that you know that you're so impressed by, you would do anything to have them coach you or teach you about how they do something. And that's the disciples in this moment. They're looking at Jesus and they see the way that he is connecting with other with God. And they see that he has this, this relationship with God that they don't have but that they want. And so they say, Jesus, teach us how to connect with God the way that you connect with God. And so Jesus responds like this. He says, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield 
to temptation. Now we're going to break this all down in just a minute. But first, there's something that I want all of us to notice together. Because as Jesus teaches the disciples about the importance of prayer, he starts not by telling them how to get what they want from God. But instead, he starts by prioritizing connection with God. That's really what this prayer is, is all about. He starts this prayer by saying, Father. He's recognizing that God is not some vague being out there. But for all of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we can know God as Father, the one who created us, who loves us, who has good things for us. And he says, hey, if you want to start connecting with God, start by acknowledging who he is in your life. And so part of living the life that we want to live does not start with all of our circumstances going the way that we want them to. Living the life that we want to live starts when we realize that we have a God who is in it with us no matter what those circumstances may be. And we get to connect with him on a daily basis. I think about part of what prayer does is it helps us get our eyes up off of all of those things that are happening around us, all the problems, all the stuff that's not going the way that we want it to go and gets our eyes back on a God who has good things for us. So Jesus is telling us, hey, the purpose of prayer is to connect us with God. That's really what it, it's all about at its, at, at its essence. And here's why I love Jesus' instructions. It's because he is giving us a roadmap on how to connect with God. This section of scripture that we just read is called the Our Father. Maybe some of you who have gone to church occasionally on Christmas and Easter, you may have heard of the Our Father. I know for me, I grew up Catholic. So for 20 years, I prayed the Our Father and I just prayed these words. I never really connected with God. And I realize now the reason I didn't connect with God is because I was reciting these words out of religious obligation, not out of a real relationship with God. And that's what Jesus invites us to here. He invites us past just the list of do's and don'ts and say this and don't say that. He invites us into a real relationship with God. What I've learned is that prayer really is just a conversation with God. And growing up, I always thought prayer meant you had to do it in the right way, at the right time, with the right words. And Jesus says, hey, 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 no, don't just say these words. Use these words as a roadmap to connect with God. So I want you to think about what would happen in your life if you engaged in a real conversation with God this year. If you saw him as father, not just as, as words you were supposed to say, but a relationship that you wanted to pursue because we're going to break it down. This is the model that Jesus gives us of how to pray. We get to start by saying, Father, may your name be kept holy. We start our prayer as we realize, God, you are my father. And like a good father, I can come to you. I worship you. This morning I was in my prayer time and I just started saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty because I'm reminding myself of who God is. And then Jesus encourages us to pray this, may your kingdom come soon. This is us starting to pray, not just about what's happening in our lives, but in the lives of the people in our family and our neighborhood and our city and our world. And what I've learned is that when we make what matters to God matter to us, God makes what matters to us matter to him. 
and we, we start to get this bigger worldview. That's what prayer is all about, helps us get our eyes up. And then Jesus says this, the next part of your, this prayer, give us each day the food we need. I learned this part of the prayer go, growing up as give us today our daily bread. And this is really Jesus' way of reminding us that we've got to come to God every day. We've got to share our requests with him, our needs, our worries, our wants, our fears with him every single day. We've got to trust him every day to provide for us. And I don't know about, about you, but I don't want to know that there's just enough for today. I want to know that there's enough for tomorrow and this whole next week and this next month and this next year. I'm like, I don't just want daily bread. I want a whole warehouse of bread, right? I want to know I'm going to have everything I need. But Jesus says, hey, a real relationship with God is daily dependence on him. It's coming to him every day. And then finally, Jesus encourages us to pray this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And I love this part of the prayer because it's something that I had always missed growing up. It's an invitation to be real with God, to every day come to him and ask him for forgiveness of the stuff that's in our lives, the sin, all of the, the ways that we think, say, and do things that fall short of God's best for us. We don't have to hide those things. We can bring them to our Father in heaven and we can receive forgiveness from him because he's a good father. And uh, while we're at it, we can forgive the other people in our lives that we're hurt by, that we've got bitterness by, because this is the essence of prayer. It's a conversation with God. And the conversation with God is not about getting all of the words right. It's about being real. And so when we start our prayers like this, not as a way just to get what we want, but instead as a way to connect with God, we deepen our trust in who God is, what he can do, what he will do on our behalf. And prayer changes our perspective because here's what happens. When we start praying about all of our worries and our fears, those worries and fears may not all go away, but we start to see God in the middle of all of them. It can start to change things in us. And so Jesus continues to teach his disciples about prayer and he says this then teaching them more he used this story suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight which whenever i read this story i'm like midnight i have been asleep by for three hours by midnight so hopefully no one ever does this to me okay no longer friends it says suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread you say to him a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and i have nothing for him to eat and suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, get out of here, it's midnight. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But then Jesus finishes with this reminder. He says this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. He'll give you what you need because of your shameless persistence. So think about, you know, we all have some shamelessly persistent people in our lives, don't we? We've got people in our lives who want us to do something or buy something. And eventually we just say yes or we click on the link and we buy it because we want them to just 
stop asking us to do it, right? I am one of those shamelessly persistent people when it comes to running. I love running. I try to convince everybody in my life that they too will love running. I have successfully convinced some of them to run a 5K or a half marathon. They're not friends with me anymore, but that's like another story for another day. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But I know we've all got some of those shamelessly persistent people in our lives. We tell them yes just because we want them to stop asking. And that's what's happening here. Jesus says, hey, if you keep asking, eventually the answer will be yes. And it turns out that this is not just a story about friendship. It's a story that points us to the power of prayer because Jesus finishes like this. So I tell you, keep on asking. You'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Church, what would it look like if we were shamelessly persistent in our pursuit of God this year? That we didn't stop asking, we didn't stop knocking, we didn't stop believing, we allowed our faith to grow. What if we realized that our responsibility is to keep asking God and God's responsibility is to decide how he's going to respond. His response should not dictate our shameless persistence to keep coming from him. That's called faith. It's called faith. And what I've learned is that the power of prayer, it can change our circumstances. I've seen the way prayer has changed circumstances for people in my life and people in the life of this church. I've seen the way that, that prayer has changed things for friends who have had multiple miscarriages and then delivered healthy babies years later. I've seen the power of prayer with people who have gone through some traumatic physical and emotional abuse, but they have received hope and restoration and healing on the other side of it. I have seen people who had nothing left pray, ask God, trust him, and get a check at just the last minute so that they could keep their family in their apartment because that's the power of prayer. Prayer can change our circumstances. But we've got to remember that's not the whole purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not simply to change our circumstances. It can and it will. But God is not just a slot machine. And I think thankfully God does not do everything that we ask him to do when we ask him to do it. Because guess what? We don't always know what's best for us. We don't always understand what we're asking. The purpose of prayer is to connect us with the purpose of our Father in heaven to help us get our eyes off of what we think we want and onto what we really want, a growing relationship with the God of the universe. And so that's why Jesus finishes this story to his disciples like this. He says, you fathers, think about this. If your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you simple people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I'm going to be honest. When I get to this story, I'm, I'm like, hey, Jesus, I'm tracking with you. I'm, I'm teaching us how to connect with God through the Our Father. Love that thing about shameless persistence. I'm going to keep praying. But then I get to this part of the story, and I'm like, scorpions, snakes, eggs, this is weird, right? Like, we can just acknowledge this is a weird 
part of scripture, but Jesus is basically saying to us, hey, think about a good parent. Would a good parent give their kid a scorpion or a snake? No, is the answer, right? Spoiler alert, no, they wouldn't. Because a good parent doesn't give their child things that harm them. No, a good parent is there to help, not harm. And when we realize that for all of us who have a relationship with Jesus, God is our heavenly father. So he's not going to give us things to harm us. He is here to help us. And I think the truth is that some of us, myself included at times, are praying and asking God for big things, for this relationship to be better, for that person's attitude to be improved, for this person to experience physical healing, for this pain to go away. And so we're, we're asking God, we're trusting him with big faith, but then we forget to trust him all throughout the process of it. And we forget as we pray these big prayers and then start to get frustrated because it feels like God isn't answering them. We forget that we can only see a season of our lives. God sees the whole scope. Scripture tells us that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He does not see time the way that we see time. So sometimes we're so frustrated feeling like God doesn't care about us, that God doesn't see us, that God's never going to do what we're asking him to do. And sometimes we forget that God knows better than we do. Sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers because that's the kindest thing that he could do for us. In that moment, I remember a few years ago just being in a hard season of my marriage. And I felt like my husband and I just weren't seeing eye to eye. And any of us who have been in any sort of relationship for more than 2.5 seconds can acknowledge that, that, that moment where you feel like you're just not seeing eye to eye. And uh, I remember, you know, we, we had just had our first baby and things were, things were hard that were out of, outside of our control. But I remember in that season just continuing to pray to God. I'm like, God, I'm going to pray for my marriage. I was really praying and believing God that he would change Andy. I'm like, God, I want you to change him in this way. I'm like, God, I know Andy loves you. Please just help him act like he loves you. Sometimes you just got to try to convince God why he should answer your prayers, right? And so the truth was I had this big faith. I was like, God, something needs to change in my marriage. I'm praying. I'm believing. I know you can change him. I believe you can change him. And I'll never forget, one day I was up early in uh, my slot and spot, what we call around here, my time and place with God. And I was praying. I was believing that God was going to change things in our marriage, that, that, that God was going to change things in Andy. And I'll never forget hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit so clearly say, Abby, what if you stopped praying that he would change and you started to pray you would change? Oh, right? I know. I, well, yes, props to God because that is not what I wanted to hear, right? And I will never forget that moment because here's what has happened afterwards. Some circumstances in our marriage have changed. Some of them didn't change. But I'll tell you what, I have changed I have changed. And if God would have answered that prayer five years ago, that Andy would just change and do everything that I wanted him to do, I wouldn't be standing in the same place that I am today. 
Because over those five years, God has helped shave some of those selfish edges that I have. He's worked through some of my pride. He's worked through um, just some of my insecurity. He's worked through some of my impatience. And if he would have said yes to my narrow-minded request, I wouldn't have gotten to experience him the way that I get to experience him right now. His yes was the kindest thing that he could do for me because what I have learned is that prayer can change our circumstances, but prayer always changes us. It can change our circumstances, but it always changes us. And when I think about that time, that's what happened in, in my life. I started to get a new perspective. I started to be filled with more faith in my marriage. Even though things may not change, I started to see them in a different way. I started to grow in gratitude. I started to be able to relate to other people who were going through tough things in their marriage or their relationship. And God was so kind to me to tell me no to that request because prayer has changed some of my circumstances. But what I've learned is that it continues to change me, and it can continue to change you. You just have to give it a chance. You just have to be shamelessly persistent about your pursuit of God. And so maybe for you, you find yourself a little lost heading into this year. Maybe you feel disconnected from God or from other people, maybe even from yourself. Maybe you find yourself feeling empty heading into a new year. Another year has passed and things still feel the same with that addiction, that relationship, that diagnosis, that school, that job. Maybe you feel like you've lost faith. You feel like you've lost faith. You're beating yourself up because you're not where you used to be in your relationship with God. But I'm here to tell you this year can be different. This year can be different. We can have more of what we want this year. When we start to realize that what we think we want, all of these circumstances, all these relationships, all of this stuff to go the way that we want it to, that's not really what we want. What we really want is a growing relationship with God, a God who is with us, a God who is for us, a God who is in every circumstance, the good, the bad, and the in-between. We want to grow in our relationship with God because he is the joy that sustains us through it all and that's what prayer does it unlocks a new perspective in, in us so church let's devote ourselves to god this year let's devote ourselves to prayer and there's good news there is no prerequisite there's no pre-qualification to have to connect with god it doesn't matter if you grew up in church if this is the first time you've ever set foot in a church in your whole life it doesn't matter because there are no hoops to jump through you simply have to open a conversation with god and i'm here to tell you he's waiting he's waiting to talk to you he's waiting for you to meet with him and that's part of what 21 days is all about. It's helping to create this environment where you can meet with God. I remember the first time that I came to a prayer event. This was probably seven or eight years ago, and I was pretty new to my faith at that point. And we had this event very similar to 21 Days, and I walked in, and I saw all of these people 
praying. They were, they were kneeling. They were standing. They were walking around. They were praying out loud. They were praying together. And to be honest, I was kind of intimidated because I never prayed with anybody in my whole life, minus reciting the Our Father like this in church. And so I remember going in and feeling a little intimidated. To be honest, I felt a little freaked out. But I saw these people, and I saw the way that they were connecting with God. And I knew that they knew God in a way that I didn't know him yet, but I wanted to. And so I just kept coming back. And I kept coming back, and I kept coming back. And now 21 days is one of my favorite times of the year. I could stand up here for hours and tell you how God has answered some of the prayers that I have prayed right here in this room. He's answered those prayers. But guess what? That's just my story. I want you to have your own story. Because if you are shamelessly persistent about getting to know more of God, you'll have your own story. You'll have your own story of hope. You'll have your own story of healing, of restoration, of joy, how he pulled you up out of a pit that you never thought that you could get out of. You will have your own story if you shamelessly pursue God this year. And you don't, there's no right way to do it. The right way is to show up. That's all that God is waiting for. And if, if that's you this weekend, if you know you want more of God this year, will you just raise your hand? I want to pray over all of us together. God, we come to you right now. We thank you for your power and your presence. God, we admit that there are things in our lives that we've stopped praying for things in our lives that we've stopped hoping for, things that we have given up on. But God, we've given up on those things, but you never give up on us. You never give up on the good plans that you have for us. So God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will give us a spirit of shameless persistence this year. I pray we can shamelessly pursue more of you in our marriage, more of you in our relationships, more of you in our attitude, our behavior, our actions. God, I pray that this year would be different because this year we would have more of you. And as we all just stay in this place focused on God together, I know there may be some of you today who are in the room, who are watching and you don't yet have a real relationship with God. And I was thinking about this as I prepared for this message because for 20 years of my life, I knew of Jesus, but I didn't really know Jesus. I, th I knew of a God who I thought wanted me to do this thing and go to church and, and be nice compared to other people, but I didn't really know his son, Jesus. And here's the thing, when we know Jesus, we realize that Jesus came so that we could have a rich and satisfying life. There is more for you this year. And if you've never made that decision once and for all to make Jesus leader and Lord of your life, I want to invite you to do that right now. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And the good news is there are no right words. You can use my words. You can just use your own. What matters most is that you give God your yes this year. So as we all just enter this moment of prayer again together, we come to you. If that's you, I want to encourage you. Pray this prayer. God, I come to you right now and I acknowledge that I need you. 
I need your son, Jesus. I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. I'm tired of just knowing about a Jesus out there. God, I need your son as leader and Lord of my life. I declare him as savior. And as we all just stay in this moment together, if you prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, if you're online, you can type faith in the chat. I'm telling you right now, that's the most important decision that you're gonna make this year. You can put your hands down in journey. Will you help me celebrate people finding Jesus today? I love that. So incredible. And I'm so excited because we get to end our first gatherings of 2022 in a very significant way. So when you came in the auditorium today, you received a prayer first card. And uh, if you didn't, uh, if you're in the room, there's, there's one in the back of the seat in front of you. And if you're online, part of our JFAM, our hosts are gonna be putting a link in the chat right now so you can participate and be a part of this. But on that card, I, I wanna encourage you to write the thing that you're praying for this year, the thing that you're gonna be shamelessly persistent about pursuing. I want you to write on that card where you need more of God. And then we're gonna go into a time of worship together. And as we do, I wanna encourage you, you can come to the front where we have these crosses at, at all of our physical locations. And we've got a digital prayer wall for all of you joining us online. And you can put your card on that cross. It's your way of acknowledging, God, I can't do this on my own. I give this over to you. And here's the best part. Not only are you gonna be praying for this, we're gonna be praying for this all throughout 21 days. We're gonna keep these crosses up so that you will have a whole church full of people praying and adding power to your prayers for how you want to see God work this year. And so as we enter a time of worship, I wanna encourage you, as soon as you finish writing that, you can stand with me and you can pin your request to the cross because we are ready to pursue more of God this year.